the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. There's a marriage illustration here that God wants to use to communicate his relationship with the Jewish people. But there are challenges in the relationship. The marriage is broken. And it's not because God's done anything wrong. God hasn't done anything wrong. It's because the people have been unfaithful to him. They have, in a sense, committed adultery against God because they've had other loves instead of God in their lives. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Hosea. Throughout the Bible, God uses marriage as an illustration of His relationship with Christians and their relationship to Him. It's not a secret that marriages face difficulties and challenges, but can you imagine the marriage that God has planned for Hosea? Marriage is not easy. And as you'll learn from Pastor Gary in today's message, God is going to use Hosea's marriage to a prostitute to communicate to the Israelites about his love to them, despite their unfaithfulness to him. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Hosea as he begins his message, God Will Take You Back. We're going to start into a new book study today, the book of Hosea. So if you'll take your Bibles and join me in the book of Hosea. The book of Hosea and the 11 books that follow it round out the Old Testament. We're looking at the last 12 books of the Old Testament, and Hosea is the first of these final 12 books, which are all known as the minor prophets. So the last 12 books of your Old Testament are referred to as the minor prophets. Now, they are called minor, not because they are less important than the major prophets. It's not like, you know, like the, we have minor league prophets and we have major league prophets, and the minor league prophets just qu- quite weren't good enough to play with the major league prophets. It's not like that. It's not like baseball. It's, they're called minor prophets because, in general, the books of the minor prophets are shorter and the messages more succinct. That's why they're called the minor prophets versus some of the major prophets like Jeremiah and Isaiah. So uh, Hosea here starts the first of the 12 minor prophets, which make up the the last of the Old Testament books. Uh, Because each of these minor prophets are 
shorter, the books, and, um, and more succinct, the messages, uh, they are more easily summarized. For that reason, I'm going to be taking a summary approach to all these 12 books. So a little background on Hosea himself and the book of Hosea. Uh, Hosea's name in Hebrew is Hashia, which means salvation. Uh, so the English transliteration is Hosea, but in Hebrew he would have been called Hashia or Hosea, meaning salvation. His ministry spans a period of about 40 years from the years 755 to 715 B.C., roughly. Uh, and, and this book is not in chronological order, as is the case for most of the minor prophets. When you go from the book of Daniel to the book of Hosea, you're not, you're not in chronological order. In fact, Hosea's ministry preceded Daniel. Daniel wasn't even born for about 130 years. And so we're going backwards in time, and thus the, the message of Hosea, his life and his ministry occurs between 2 Kings 14 and 20. So, you know, in 2 Kings 14 and 20, in the margin of your Bible, you might want to write, here's where Hosea ministered. Uh, that's the time period in which he ministered. We know that because at the beginning of his book here, he talks about the various kings who were reigning at the time of his ministry. Now, interestingly, uh, we don't hear him quoted anywhere between 2 Kings 14 and 20. We just know uh, in terms of chronology that that's where his ministry is located. His voice is only heard here in his book. Uh, and then he's quoted a couple times by Paul in Romans and he's quoted by Jesus and, and by Matthew. Matthew makes a connection to the book of Hosea in, in Matthew's gospel. But otherwise, he's not mentioned anywhere outside of his own book. And he was a contemporary of Isaiah the prophet. Hosea ministered to the northern kingdom of Israel at the same time that Isaiah was ministering to the southern kingdom of Judah. So they were contemporaries. And just to kind of frame the culture uh, at the time of Hosea's ministry, two things that stand out when you look at the book of Hosea. It was a time of spiritual apostasy because of unholy priests, and it was also a time of social disintegration because of unrighteous kings. That is the culture. It's not too unlike our own culture where there's a spiritual apostasy because some are, are not really being, you know, true to the word and true to the Lord in terms of, you know, ministry. And we have, you know, sometimes uh, corrupt kings and people and leadership and government. And, and as a result, sometimes it can lead to social disintegration. And the result of which was that there was a lack of the knowledge of God in the land at the time that Hosea ministered. The combination of, of the unholy priests and the unrighteous kings, no one was telling people about the Lord during this time. And thus, where there was this lack of knowledge, the people were perishing. That becomes one of the most famous verses in the book of Hosea. Hosea 4, verse 6 said, where my people are destroyed or perish for lack of knowledge. Now, he didn't mean for a lack of education, like just the accumulation of information. He meant a lack of knowledge about the Lord, and thus my people perish for a lack of it. So the people of God were in a state of spiritual apostasy. The, socially, there was just this moral disintegration, and it was all due to the fact that God's Word was not being taught. The people were not hearing about the Lord. They were not being equipped in their faith. They were not being told, here's, here's who God is, and here are His righteous requirements. Thus, God calls Hosea as this prophet, I want you to minister, I want you to prophesy, speak to this, the northern kingdom of Israel.
and to awaken the conscience of a nation, God is going to call Hosea to do a very unusual thing in order to illustrate God's relationship with the Jewish people. Somewhat a broken relationship, but nevertheless, God's going to tell Hosea, I want you to do something here, and it's very unusual. You'll see it as we read through the first chapter. I'm going to read all of chapter 1. It's only 11 verses, but follow along in your Bibles if if you would. Verse 1, the word of the Lord that came to Hosea, the son of Beeri, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. When the Lord began to speak by Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take yourself a wife of harlotry. Now, a wife of harlotry, this is a prostitute. I want you to marry a prostitute and take children of harlotry, for the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. And then the Lord said to him, call his name, the boy's name, Jezreel, for in a little while I will avenge the bloodshed of Jezreel on the house of Jehu and bring an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. It shall come to pass in that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. And she conceived again and bore a daughter. And then God said to him, call her name Lo-Ruamah, for I will no longer have mercy on the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. Yet I will have mercy on the house of Judah. I'll save them by the Lord their God, and will not save them by bow, nor by sword or battle, by horses or horsemen. Now when she had weaned Lo-Ruamah, she conceived and bore a son. Then God said, call his name Lo-Ami, for you are not my people." And I will not be your God. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people. There it shall be said to them, You are sons of the living God. And then the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together and appoint for themselves one head, and they shall come up out of the land, for great will be the day of Jezreel. Throughout the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament, the covenant of marriage has always served to be an illustration of God's relationship with us and likewise our relationship with Him. In the Old Testament, marriage primarily serves to illustrate God's relationship with the Jewish people, with the nation of Israel. There are many verses in the Old Testament that speak in these allegorical terms of a marriage that God has with the people of Israel. I'll give you a few verses as examples. Isaiah 54 verse 5 says, For your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name. In Isaiah 62, verse 5, it says, And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. In Jeremiah 3, verse 14, it says, Return, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. So the Old Testament paints a picture often using marriage in terms of God's relationship with Israel and the Jewish people. In the New Testament, God also uses marriage as an illustration to communicate uh, the relationship of Christ with the church. And so you have, for example, in the Bible, examples out of Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 and 15. It says, Then the disciples of John, that's John the Baptist, 
came to Jesus saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? Now he's talking about himself as the groom, as the bridegroom. He says, But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. So see, even Jesus uses the, this illustration of marriage. He says, I'm, I'm like a, the groom, and, and the church is, is the bride. And so one day I'm going to be taken away. Then, then when I'm away, the church will fast. They will pray. They will seek me. You see also in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25, the whole parable of the ten virgins is a parable of Christ coming again for his bride. Uh, in Ephesians, chapter 5, Paul uses similar terminology in, cha- in chapter 5 of Ephesians, verses 31 and 32, where he says, For this reason, quoting from Genesis, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. And then, of course, a famous verse out of Revelation 19, verse 7, which says, Let us be glad and rejoice for and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and the bride the church has made herself ready so all throughout old testament and new testament god often uses the covenant of marriage as this illustration in regards to his relationship with us and us with him but everybody understands particularly everybody who's married understands that every marriage has its difficulties Amen. It's okay to say that. It's in church like, can I say that? Can I admit that? Yeah, you can admit it. Every marriage has, except mine, but every marriage has, mine included, has difficulties, challenges, you know, people trying to understand each other, different personalities, different perspectives, all right, and and let alone the the male-female dynamic and different language and stuff that, you know, men don't speak femaleese, women don't necessarily speak mannies, you know, and so there's always this kind of difficulty and challenges every once in a while. And and so it is uh, in in this relationship here in the book of Hosea. There's a marriage illustration here that God wants to use to communicate his relationship with the Jewish people. But there are challenges in the relationship. The marriage is broken. And it's not because God's done anything wrong. God hasn't done anything wrong. It's because the people have been unfaithful to him. They have, in a sense, committed adultery against God because they've had other loves instead of God in their lives. And so God says to Hosea, basically this, I want to use marriage as an illustration to communicate to the people about my love for them despite their unfaithfulness towards me. So he asks Hosea to do a very unusual thing. God says, Hosea, listen, in order to illustrate this point about my loyal love to the people, but their constant unfaithfulness towards me, here's what I want you to do, Hosea. Here's what I want you to do. This is what God says to Hosea. I want you to marry a prostitute. Now, Hosea is a single guy, you know, and he's he's like, and God says to him, here, let me introduce you to your wife, the town hooker. I want you to marry her. And Hosea's like, what? I'm not sure this is the kind of girl I wanted to bring home to meet mom and dad. And God's like, trust me on this. I want to introduce you to a fine woman that everybody knows in town. (laughs) 
and I want you to marry her. And so he marries one. He marries a prostitute. And you know what's worse than marrying a prostitute? Is marrying a prostitute whose name is Gomer. (laughs) She's from Mayberry. Some of you are too young to understand that joke, but here she is. Her name is Gomer. That's her name. And God says to Hosea, I want you to take her home. I want you to love her. I want want you to have her as your wife. Now, in any culture, I don't care what country you're from, in any culture, a prostitute has a reputation for being an immoral woman. You know, sex for pay is, is not really the most honorable profession. I mean, it might be the oldest profession, but it's not necessarily the most honorable profession. So don't you know, of course, when God says, obviously God knows what he's doing here. And so he's like, I want you to marry Gomer. I want you to take her home as your wife. Of course, when he does that, everybody in town, their heads are turning. They're like, what? And their, thumb, their thumbs are working. Like, did you just see who Hosea had? <laughs> And they're basically aghast. They're like, this, this holy man of God, this prophet of God, I can't believe this, this prophet of God, this holy man of God has taken an adulterous, immoral prostitute, this woman, I can't believe this. How in the world could this happen, that such a holy man of God could take such an immoral, adulterous woman? And God's basically saying, in the same way that I've taken you. That's the illustration, you see. In the same way that I've loved you and taken you. God wanted this marriage between Hosea and Gomer to illustrate his loyal love despite their spiritual adultery. That despite their unfaithfulness to God, God would be faithful to them and he would love them and he would take them to be his own. Hosea and Gomer marry. They have three children. The text tells us there in chapter 1, two boys and a girl. And with each child's birth, God says, I want to give you the name so that this becomes a whole family illustration. I want the names of your kids to also illustrate this relationship that I have with the Jewish people. So look in your Bibles there at chapter 1, verse 4. You can circle in your Bibles Jezreel. That's the first child that's born. It's a son. His name in Hebrew, Jezreel, means God scatters. That's what the word means in Hebrew, God scatters. And it's because, he goes on to say there, because I'm going to scatter the people. Now, God ends up doing this. 721 B.C., the Assyrian Empire comes. Remember, the book of Hosea precedes the book of Daniel, chronologically. Again, Hosea ministers about 130 years before Daniel's even born. So when we were last week finishing out the book of Daniel, the the prominent power was the Babylonian Empire. But before the Babylonians were the Assyrians. And God will use the Assyrians in 721 B.C. to besiege the northern kingdom of Israel. And so God says to, to Hosea, I want you to name your first child Jezreel, meaning God scatters because this is exactly what I'm going to do. Their unfaithfulness warrants it. I'm going to scatter the people. Child number two comes in verse six. It's a, it's a girl. God says, I want you to name her Lo-Ruamah. Lo-Ruamah. Lo in Hebrew is no. So when used as a prefix here, it's, it's just the negative. And Ruamah means mercy. So he's saying no mercy. 
That's what I want you to name child number two. Now, by the way, you know, weren't you very careful when you picked names for your kids, right? When you had your babies and you were very careful to, you know, go through those baby book lists and just, we want to pick the perfect name for our child. And, and what do you instantly do? You eliminate names of people you never got along with in life, right? Because you're like, I, I, I can't stand that guy I worked with. That child's never going to get that guy's name, right? You go through that whole boyfriends and girlfriends off the list, former ones, right? Off the list. And you're very careful about names that you want to choose for your kids because names say a lot. And I, I really appreciate how some of you have chosen beautiful biblical names for your kids. You're very spiritual, and, I, and I'm just telling you, it's wonder. I've seen families here at Cornerstone. You have like a walking gospel. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know, it's just, that's wonderful. Terry and I weren't so spiritual when we picked the, picked the names for our kids. We just, you know, we just picked names that we liked, and, and we gave them Bible middle names. But all three of our kids, just Tyler, Austin, and Lindsay, that's just, we just liked those names when we had them as kids. Now, since then, I found out, right? I mean, I already knew... Austin was, but I didn't realize the other one. They're all towns in Texas. <laughs> Had I known in advance, I would never have wanted to send the message that somehow we're cowboy fans. So probably I would have, I would have gone with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But anyway, you know how it is. You're very careful. By the way, if we ever had a fourth kid, we were, we were going to name him or her Waco didn't happen. Didn't happen. But you know how that works. Like, you're very careful. We want to... So, can you imagine this little girl going around? Hi, what's your name, sweetheart? No mercy. That's my name. No mercy. Don't mess with me. I got no mercy. So, that's how God, God says, I want you to call her no mercy because God says, I will no longer have mercy on the house of Israel. So, I want your kids to, to present... You know, the message here, this ongoing message, child number three comes along, verse nine. It's a boy. You are to name him Loami. And Loami means not my people. <laughs> that poor boy, <laughs> you know, it's just roll calls being called in class, like, not my people. You hear? Yep, right here, not my people. Now, I, I, I shared this story a few years ago, but for those of you who weren't here, um, this, this whole name reminds me of this, of this thing that happened between me and Terry, because as many of you know, I mean, it's no secret. I've, I've made this known clearly over the years that I've been here at Cornerstone. I'm not a country music fan, all right? That's just me. I'm not a country music fan. I know a lot of you have tried to convert me over the years. Hasn't happened. Not going to happen. I'm, I'm just not a country music fan. It's just me. Okay. But my wife... She, she kind of likes country music. Um, not, you know, not a diehard country music fan, but every once in a while I'll get in her car and start it up, and WMZQ is like, ah, 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 you know. And, and so, you know, years ago, like, this is about like seven, eight years ago, I decided, you know, I'm, I'm going to do... I'm going to do the, the manly thing. I'm going to man up, and I'm going to take my wife for her birthday to a country music concert. That's what I... Yeah, thank you very much. Say, there's some lady there. That's really nice. Do you listen to him? Listen to him. Are you listening to him? He did that for his wife. Isn't that sweet? Anyway, so I took her to a Keith Urban concert. Now, Keith Urban was good because he's not twangy. See, the twangy thing really gets on my nerves. You know, twang, 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 you know. So he was actually really good. Open up, open up, jump in and you 
The warnings and prophecies found in the minor prophet books can be intense, but they remind you of one thing. God is patient. He doesn't exact judgment on those who have sinned immediately. Instead, God shows mercy. He gives you ample time to come to Him in repentance, handing the wrongs you've committed over to Him and letting His love restore you. Because of that love for His creation, God sent His only Son to die on the cross in your place, taking your sins with Him. Jesus' death provides you the opportunity at a new life and forgiveness for all your wrongs. Are you ready to come to Jesus in repentance today and receive this grace? We'd like to talk more with you, so please give us a call at 703-771-1500. That's 703-771-1500. We also want to invite you to join us for church at Cornerstone Chapel. We're meeting each Sunday in person at 8.30 and 11.45 a.m., as well as on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit cornerstoneconnection.cc to get all the information you need along with directions to our campus. If you're not able to be with us in person, we do offer each service online as well. Again, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc to connect. Thanks for tuning in today for Pastor Gary's message, and we hope you'll join us again right here on Cornerstone Connection. You know